But anyways, I guess it's gonna send a link and everything. So I guess we're just gonna get started here. How you doing? I'm doing good, Josh. Thanks for inviting me, man. Really yeah, excited dude. to be a, a part of your your podcast. Yeah, dude, you're guest number two, actually. Oh, number two. All right. <laughs> Iman kind of beat you out. He, you know, he That's lives okay. here and everything. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I just want to have you on because you're cool and stuff like that. And that's what I think. Um, before we start rolling into some some topics, let's let's I want you to introduce who you are. I know you've been doing a lot of Twitch streaming now. You're a teacher and, you know, you, you've got, you've done a lot for being as young as we are. Uh, yeah, sure. So um, my name's Josh. Uh, I've known Josh since <laughs> high school. Um, uh, let me see. I went to. Went to UC Berkeley and graduated in um, 2018, and then I uh, traveled to the East Coast to um, for my teaching program called Urban Teachers that I'm a part of, and I'm still currently in the program. Um, this is like my third year in there, I think, um, and I teach fourth grade math uh, in Southeast DC, and in my free time, I am a brother. I'm a uh, Twitch streamer, um, like a small streamer, guys. Not that big. Not that big a deal. Uh, <laughs> Follow and, at um, Dan Jones. <laughs> and then uh, what else? Yeah, I'm a brother. I'm a streamer, um, and I'm just myself. You know, I'm off time. I play video games. I just relax, do what I must. Uh, and then during the day, I'm Mr. Jones, and I teach math every day during the week. Yeah, that's awesome. And you just finished your master's, right? Or are you finishing your master's? Uh, yeah, I got my master's last. Oh, wow, it's almost a year now. Uh, since last in last May, uh, in uh, elementary educational studies. Boom, that's awesome. See, that's way more than I've done already. <laughs> um, hey man, you're EMT, so you're doing you're saving lives. <laughs> I'm do, I'm doing something. <laughs> I'm trying to do something. Um, well, that's really cool, man. So, like, what what got you into education in general? Because I know you know growing up with you in high school, it was always your goal. Um, so I, I'm just curious what, you know, people change their major and change a whole bunch of stuff when they're in college or whatever. So what, what led you down that road? I think, uh, really what just kept me interested and wanting to pursue my career in education was just the people around me that were either my mentors or, um, my teachers, professors, um, the way in which that like they kind of just modeled their enthusiasm for the things that they taught um, really just moved me to want to do the same thing. Um, and I think just along the way with the like side hustles when I was a tutor or a TA, like seeing those uh, at first hand of just like the impact it has on, um, I guess from the educator side just made me want to just be a part of that. So um you know I, I mean every day is a headache but i love what <laughs> i do i know that uh i know that my why is just that um you know at the end of the day like uh, it's for the the next generation so that's really why i teach and that's what uh made me stick to it until now yeah that's yeah uh, yeah i get that i mean everyone kind of has those mentors when they're growing up whether it be in sports or even in school and that's great that you had some impactful people in your life to inspire you to be where you're at today. Yeah, totally. Um, so another question that I have is, what, as you were going through 
um, trying to find your path towards education. Was there any kind of um, doubt you had in terms of being an educator? Was there any at any point did you think you would want to do something else? Uh, totally. Even right now, <laughs> like that thought, that thought lingers in my head all the time. Um, because it's like they're just. I said before I started teaching, like there were obstacles and wishes. Just like um, either places that I've applied to, programs I applied to, they just weren't working out, or um, they just weren't good fits for me, or I didn't see myself in that space. Um, going to DC was like you know, a shot in the dark. Like, I didn't think I would do that. But um, now that I'm here and I'm, like, in the thick of everything, like, you know, there are days that I really feel burnt out. There are days that I just feel that, you know, these students just get on my nerves to the point where I just don't even want to log on, especially with distance learning. It's, like, virtually teaching has become 100% time, like, 100% more difficult like virtually, I feel like I'm doing three times as many jobs that I should be doing if I was in the building. And so like, there are days, there are moments where I just feel like maybe I'll be suited somewhere else. Like maybe there's something there for me, but I just keep trying to go back to my why about why I'm here. Um, and that's what's really gonna hold me to um, staying in education until I decide to move on. Yeah, I got so you. I feel like my place has been completed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard for everyone, especially right now. I mean, we're coming up on a year of COVID. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I really feel for all the the teachers and educators out there right now who um, has had to do the distance learning. Because I mean, did he, so? Did you have the opportunity before this all happened to teach in person? And do you think that was better or worse? Um, well, of course, like it, you think this is worse, but I mean, do you think that was, do you think your mood and overall, um, feeling about teaching was different? I would say, uh, I think in person, um, when I started teach, like when I had my first class last year, um, and I was like an actual teacher of record and had my own classroom. Um, I think what made, there were days in which like were more difficult than others. I think the first semester I was just struggling trying to just find my footing. But once I figured out what I needed to do and who I was in those spaces, I think that's what made teaching more worthwhile. Um, and the same thing happened too with like distance learning, like virtually, like it took me a minute to try to figure out what these spaces look like, how to interact with students on in a virtual setting, how to plan. And so um, I would say, you know, there's pros and cons being in person or being virtual. If like, you know, let's say if COVID, once COVID is not, or once COVID becomes, you know, less of I've, I've a, an uh, issue. like issue. a health issue. Yeah. So in like the next like 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> whenever that will but, be. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Whenever, whenever that happens, like. I would, I'm like, I, I can see the benefits of teaching in person because of course, like there are students that need that one-on-one, -on -one, that need that like tangible hands-on learning, that need those small groups. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, during the day, there's still like, you know, you still have to deal with administration, still dealing with parents, still dealing with, um, you know, students that are feeling some type of way about each other, um, whether that's good or bad, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I think 
becomes like the growing like stressor but virtually i feel like that's it just makes it much more on a like on an overwhelming scale yeah. yeah it's it's an extra layer of course i mean you know as a teacher i think people you know we have a couple te teacher friends i'm sure you have more than me because you are a teacher um but you know other than you i do have a couple others that are um involved in teaching in some at some capacity but a lot of people who don't have teacher friends they think that teaching is much more of like a babysitter job you know they think that you know people go go to school teach then they come home like it's not that big of a deal you're just managing kids but i like what you brought up when you were saying that well you're managing kids you're managing parents you're managing administration you're managing how the kids interact with each other i mean it's just, it's such a layered um it's such a, a layered job because they're just managing people of all ages in a variety of different settings at all times. Of course. Um, and I think what oh. um, what makes it even more, I don't even know how to describe it, I guess frustrating is that, you know, you, you're doing the same thing that you mentioned, but now on a virtual level. And so... The only difference is that now we're just at our own homes and we're dealing with technology. We're dealing with students that may or may not log on. You know, there's just so many different variables that you can't, that are outside of your control and outside of like your presence that there's nothing that you can really do. Like if a student's internet's not working, they're missing their learning for that day. Yeah. And that's huge. That's huge right now. Um, so would were you are you have you been having issues with kids actually staying online? Oh yeah, all the time. Um like there's I've like in the beginning when we first started this last then last year in March, like I know that there I mean and you know, don't get me wrong, like things happen. Like of course, like we just name that things do happen, whether like a student is sick or um, you know, some students they live um, in between different homes. So it may be consistent with mom, but when they go over to dad's house, they're not going to be on at all. Mm -hmm. Or they may forget something at mom's house or internet's not working, or they got to go travel with grandma because she has to go to work and there's no one to watch them. Right. Um, there's just so many different variables. And sometimes um, in the beginning of the school year and even last year, there were students that would not be there for weeks. I got a student last year and it's and mainly it was because due to um um the parent like her parents were um in between homes okay so um you know because that there wasn't really a stable place for her to be able to log on so she, i didn't see her from the time that we started in march until the end of the school year in wow June. holy moly that's a lot of time too yeah it's and that's like the scary thing is, is that um, just magnify that on so many other levels across the country. Right, right. Like it's not just her. There's many other students that are in the same boat that are missing this education. And then, but the day still goes on. So uh, just to give a, a little bit more of a background, what what's your demographic of students that you teach? Um, well, the student that, so I, I teach in Southeast DC, um, at my school in particular, 
I will pretty much say like 100% we're dealing with black and brown uh, students. Okay. Um, but, you know, when we start looking into the actual demographics of socioeconomics, we're dealing with um, students who may be homeless. Um, the majority of our students, I would say maybe more than like 60%, um, they're probably dealing, like they have, how would I say this? Um, well, our school already provides like free lunch, right? Mm -hmm. But um, there's a certain percentage of students who we know that aren't getting food at home anyway. Um, not saying that that's like on their parents' fault, but it's just because of just how certain how variables I... may lie for them out in, in their own spaces. Yeah, it just it um, is what so, it is. You know, yeah, so we're dealing with, um, you know, some single parent households, um, dealing with um, students in between uh, family members, um, students that are dealing with grief because parents have passed or family members who were guardians have passed, dealing with foster kids. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different, like, intersections that our students deal with on a daily basis that we still have to try, not manage, but more so just, like, acknowledge in a way that um, we also have to maneuver in those spaces effectively just so that they can feel successful or included. Yeah, I mean, that, that it's it's such a crazy thing to think about because if we were to go back in time before COVID, right, a lot of what we were taking in for society is kind of, we, we kind of took it for granted in terms of like schools. We never really thought too hard about oh, schools are going to be shut down one day and then all these kids who need to go in and eat lunch or do whatever, have a safe space, see your friends and see teachers like who are role, model, role models and stuff. Um, we took that for granted that that was just always going to be there. And then now now that we're not seeing that, it just seems like it's 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 getting... The longer this goes on, the more of an issue it's going to be for kids that come from that background. Mm -hmm. um, so what... Do you think moving forward, let's say we get out of COVID, is there anything that we could do to change the dynamic of schools? Or do you, like, where do you think the biggest issues with schools are? I mean, minus the COVID part um, that that's going on today. Uh, I think you, you're saying that if we were to go back into the building, what would need to be there? Yeah. Like what, like, what could, what things could be changed? Or do you think everything's working well right now? Um, well, the, here, here's the, I think here's the crux about it, Josh, is that like, um, I would say that the way that things are working right now, there, of course, are students who definitely need to be in the building. I'm all here for a hybrid, like, um, model in which we have students who we know that need to be in the building for either services for their IEPs if they're students in special education or mm -hmm. um, we have students who need that supervision or students who have, you know, certain services that need to be met for not just like special education, but also for like behavioral, um, anything that lies in that. They need to be able to be present and in a space in person um, so that they can get the services that they need because Virtually, it's very difficult to try to fulfill those services, um, especially since it's documented on a federal level. Um, so trying to do it virtually is very difficult. So they are pretty much our first priority. Gotcha. Um, okay. 
after that, I would say, um, you know, then it will be the, the next set of students who um, may need that supervision because parents aren't at home or they're not getting daily necessities or something that the school could provide. Um, so that would be like the second tier of students. And then after that will be, everyone else will be pretty much virtual because, um, you know, those first set of st sets of students have more of a priority at this point right now where the other students, you know, there could get some management, maybe like on like a Wednesday or the middle of the week, they come for small group time. But um, I don't think they would, they would benefit for being in person, but based on how some guidelines are being set, um, they're not, they're, they're kind of lowered in that preference and priority um, area at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, health and regulations. Like I, if, I already told this to, even to my grade level team. I'm like, the only reason that you can convince me to go back into the building is if all the students had room and board on campus mm, and everyone was vaccinated and we all stayed on campus, nothing else. Because there's so many different things outside of school that students can come into contact with. Mm -hmm. Students take public transportation all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, students may be going in between homes all the time. Students may have to go to the store or go to grandma's house or it's their best friend's birthday. So they're going to, I don't know, they're going to Sky Zone to go to the trampoline park. Yeah. Like there's just so many things outside of the school space that we can't manage, which could affect like effectively affect our own safety. So yeah, there's so many different things that um, we could really that that have to be put in place in order to be safe. Yeah, not nah, saying gotcha. that it hasn't been proven that it's not safe, but it's still a present issue because we also have families. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you you definitely got to protect your own your own families for sure. Do you have you have you noticed any kind of um, mood changes changes with the kids? Because I think it's I would think that it's very important that kids have that social time. Um, and school pro kind of provides that, you know, you're with all your friends or whatever. Do you think there's going to be some kind of, at least with my job as an EMT, right? I've seen a lot of rises in 5150s. And what that is, is like, is, is suicide, right? There's been a lot of right. that kind of issues coming up. Um, have you personally been seeing that with your kids? Not potentially suicide, but just like a, a general neg negativity and mood this past year. Um, of course. And mainly it's because they're do what I've noticed is as a teacher and what I learned is that students appreciate consistency. Hmm. And when COVID well, you know, COVID was COVID already happened, but when like the order was to social distance and to stay at home, um, that ruined that consistency. Okay. Like they're like, I'm not waking up to put on my uniform and come to school. I'm not going to be able to see my friends every day because I have to be at home. I have to be in this space. I have to be virtual. And um, with that, you know, it's the idea of not being able to make, have those social connections, build that social emotional learning that students definitely do need, especially at, um, you know, at a young age to just build their uh, ability to just exist in a social space when they get older. Um, 
like that happened a lot. And I've seen a lot of my students, like their demeanors and behaviors change mm -hmm. because they don't have those connections. Sure. They see their friend on the screen during the day, but there's, that's different than being physically next to each other, playing in, during recess, playing tag or eating lunch together in person. Um, of course, like across the board, even I would say just for families also, like, their lives have also changed like like immensely because of what's happened with um you know the virus as it circulated throughout the country and throughout the world it's just that lives changed so much where even the parents that appreciate that consistency they don't have the consistency anymore either so really it was just going back to the drawing board and trying to figure out ways in which we can still bring that school life to them in a virtual world and it's not the same but it's what we have at this point yeah and i can remember when we were first told it was only going to be two weeks and then after that we had to tell our students yeah it's going to be for the rest of the school year and so even even now i'm still getting messages when are we going back to school when are we going back to school i hate being online and in some parts i agree but if we go to school too soon we could probably there could probably be like another small outbreak in our community that we could prevent if we were digital or virtual. Yeah, it's 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 just such a sticky situation. It's kind of like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you don't go, the kids will be suffering socially, and you know, probably I I'd imagine test scores are going to be lower this year across the board nationwide, right? And then you know, if they go back, then you are kind of risking more of a health issue, right? So I think yep. we're in a very sticky, sticky situation as of right now. Yeah, totally. And I think um, even now the like the um, superintendent office is still debating on whether or not we have state testing because there's so many, like as we already mentioned, students that need services, they're not going to be able to get those services because they're virtual. They're not going to have that um, that quiet space to study because maybe some homes are not as quiet as we'd want them to be. Maybe we have, uh, I mean, and I have students who are just like, uh, Mr. Jones, I got to step away for a second because I got to go take care of my baby sister or mm -hmm. Mr. Jones, I got to make breakfast, like all these different things. And so if we were to layer that on top of the fact that now we have to take a test and prepare for standardized testing, not only do I have, I need to have uh, text-to-speech enabled, but I need somebody to scribe for me. I may need um, uh, certain services in which I have um, breaks in between, mm -hmm. but if someone isn't there physically in a space where I have that space to focus, my services aren't being met. Yeah, right, right. And so, that, like, that's just and a so disservice where, to the kid. Exactly, and that's where a lot of the data gets skewed because, of course, there are some students that may be performing better than how they would be in person but that's not across the board like a fair like there's no equity in that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and that's the thing like everyone kind of needs a fair opportunity for the education that they can get i know one of my friends who i work with actually she's been trying to take the mcat right mm -hmm. and um she's dyslexic and she you know when she was at uc davis she would go and um to the um, I don't know what it's called at UC Davis, but the the, serv the service where she gets extra time for her test, right? So she's been right. trying to schedule her MCAT, and 
the MCAT like committee or organization. I don't know how it works, but whatever it is, she's been trying to schedule that since March of last year. And they keep like pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back. And it's very strange because they don't understand why someone needs more time for a test. And to me, it just seems, you know, it seems like a no brainer. If someone is having issues reading, <laughs> it seems to me that it, it's not that they can't read. It's just that they need more time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I think, yeah, I think everyone does need that um, equal opportunity to learn, really. Um, in terms of like, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, oh, yeah. So in D.C., are, so is your school a charter school or is it a public school? Um, I mean, it's public charter. So, yeah, it's it's both. Okay. It's not a part of it's not a part of D.C. public schools, but it is a charter that is receiving public funds gotcha. to function. Can you go over like the difference between a public and a charter and private? Just just briefly so um, people listening could get more on the same page. Yeah, so um, public schools, they're already receiving funds from the state, um, hence that they're public. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also um, offered as free education. Uh, I would say a private school is something different where there is a school that is being funded through, obviously, private funding, whether that's with, like, tuition or whether that's with, like, um, an outside um, institution that's funding it. So let's say, for example, if like, if Josh and I were to create uh, a private school, and Josh has a connection with, um, I don't know, uh, Tide, that makes like laundry, <laughs> the laundry detergent, like they would be clean that school, bro. School. Yeah, and then I think uh, we talk about a charter school. Charters kind of get a little, a little diff- different. Um, it's kind of similar to a private school where there is um, another outside beneficiary like, company or business that wants to help like create a school. Um, the only difference with that is a charter has to be passed and approved by the community or uh, where that school might be um, in terms of where it's going to start taking up public space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also would need to be uh approved by um you know like the state ward or whatever um okay so when you put public charter school together then you think about it's still a a institution outside of the private or outside of the public school system that is still um including funds within to build create to run the infrastructure of the school but then there's also still a public side of it where the state is also still providing um, those funds as well for like food or for um, I'm not sure what supplies else you think and about stuff, maybe food books excessive yeah okay like that. so how did how do they determine funding is it all based on test scores or is it distributed evenly like I, I don't know the details of that yeah, I, I probably can't even answer that either. I'm not really sure what that looks like. I think um, what I know is that with the with our school, we have to be um, approved by the charter board, um, which 
usually meets about every five years, depending on the tenure of your school. Um, whenever your five years ends on the docket, then the charter board comes back to review. People from the community would come to say, to like make a case on whether to approve or disapprove it, um, et cetera. So oh, I'm wow. not necessarily sure how the funding gets distributed. Um, but if I, if we know that if it's a charter school, it's more than likely that there's still an outside institution that's still providing funds to the school. Wow. That's crazy. That is insane to me. Yeah, But I mean, but to determine the quality of your school, it is based on attendance, test scores, um, growth over time, based on like the amount of students that come, the amount of students that attend every day, um, how well the percentage of students score on like state testing, the level of growth that they have over time with um, the growth assessment that we take called NWEA, which is the like an adaptive assessment that is used across the country to measure students growth throughout the year for mm. like the three times they take it during the year in the beginning, middle, end of the year. Gotcha. So those are different things that determine like the quality of your school. Um, like your, what's it called? Like how well the school's doing and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like a it's not like a tier tier list. And I imagine that's really important, important for charter schools, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, because if, let's say, if your school is a tier, like, let's say if, if our charter school is a tier one school, we have thousands of students attending. We have um, students that are, we have 100% of students that are willing to return the next year. Um, we have, in our third through fifth grade, 80% of our students are earning fours or hires on this the state assessment test, which a four is, like, pretty solid. For it's four or higher and a five is like five is the best score you can get so four is oh, like okay yeah you know that's good um yeah it's pretty good like if that's gonna happen then of course it's gonna like determine like oh that means our the teachers are good so that means like parents are gonna try to put their child into the lottery system to potentially um be accepted and be accepted into the school um that means that you know, when it comes back to the charter board reviewing it every five years, they make that case where, you know, we're still tier one school. And um, yeah, that just, this is how that works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, the, it, it, it's so it's, it's very strange to me. Um, just seeing how much that matters. Um, of course, test scores matter, right? I mean, like, nobody wants to go to a school that's you know, getting a 70% or whatever, <laughs> like mm -hmm. uh, you want to do the best you can, but it's, it's, it's crazy to me how, at least in schools, it seems like that is so heavily valued in terms of how funding is distributed. And I, you know, I, I don't know the details and, um, but if that were the case like that, it just seems like, especially now with what we're going through a school like yours with the demographic that you have, it just seems like the students are just that much far behind, which is, which is a huge issue. Yeah, and I mean, it really just, like, you it, know, it's crazy that I would say data is really, like, the, I would say for me, a trigger word, because we always, I mean, and it's great to, to talk about data, like, good or bad, to be able to just understand, like, what are things that need to be in place for students to be successful, but to get to a point where data defines 
students is when it becomes a very tight rope to walk on. No, it, um, it, it, and it doesn't. I, I, I personally, I don't think it does, right? You know, growing up, mm-hmm. I, I tested below average in most of my, you know, things. And it. I don't think that was, I always felt that that wasn't reflective of how, I don't want to say smart, but how, how well of a student I was, right? And I always, I always feel like that's the, the, the line is much more gray than it is black and white in terms of test mm-hmm. scores and data and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause I told my students today, cause we're actually um, getting ready to prepare for our test prep unit, which is pretty much, I mean, we call it a test prep unit, but it's really, we're doing the same stuff that we've already done since the beginning of the school year with review and learning new strategies. The only difference is we're just elevating it to a place in which we're just building their like stamina, building their like better habits so that if they do have to take, when they do take standardized testing, they're prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things I told my students today was just like, yes, like standardized testing and your score is important, but it doesn't, it doesn't and shouldn't define who you are and who you want to become because the, the title of the assessment pretty much just gauges college and career readiness of a student. Oh, does it really? A single test really? that you take in the fourth grade. That's fifth, crazy. Up from like third third grade to 11th grade. Wow. That is wild. And it's, yeah. And so like the verbiage is like determines um, your preparedness for being college and career ready. And I told my students, I was like, sure, this may be, this. it shouldn't say determine more so like gauges your progress to being college and career ready because if you say determines it then that just like is just a be-all end-all there's no mm-hmm. way in which to improve and so it's pretty um this it's like it's just giving an ultimatum to 10 year olds yeah right especially for me of course like i have testing anxiety all like i have <laughs> testing anxiety. it's just it's just what it is and i tell my students all the time if you have testing anxiety and if you feel like there's a knot in your stomach or you feel uneasy whenever you take a test, that's okay. So, so like having the point where it's just like, oh, this is the ultimatum test. Like you're in, you know, fifth grade now, you're like 11, 12 years old and you're about to take this test to determine if you're going to be able to go to college. So does it say on there, like you're, you're call it, you know, you're on the right path to college or is it just based on percentages? Yeah, it's based on the score that I mentioned before. So the, this park score is from one to five, one being um, like, you know, not performing well or like at all, or like, you know, needs to be like, it goes one to five. And then from that scale, um, it just determines um, pretty much like correlates your alignment to just how you've mastered or progressed so far within the grade that you're in, right? So if you're at like a level, if you get a three on park, then that means that um, within the STEM test that you took on Park and you earned that three, that means you you're meeting the expectations of being a fourth grade student. So like you're pretty much on grade level. Fourth, if you get a four, a four is like okay, you're you've exceeded those standards and like you're like performing really well, and not just like mastered some of the standards, but you've mastered pretty much close to all. A of them. lot of them. A five is like you've mastered all of them and then some where like you you're working on like maybe fifth grade sixth grade level man that is 
I, you can't see me right now, <laughs> but I, I am just, I am just in shock. Like that is insane to me that that is, that is the case. And yeah. So, so are, are the kids aware of what that test is doing or do, do they just think it's another test, I guess? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much just comes with the framing of it. That's how we rolled it out today. It's just, I didn't say it was another test, but more so it's like the, I, I usually call my assessments that we take during like math or whatever, like checkpoints of like, this is just to check to see how well you've mastered or grasped the content that we studied. But when we talk about um, park, I refer to like as a basketball, as like basketball like concepts. So I'm like, think of our unit assessments and our quizzes as pickup games, practice, like, et cetera, right? All those are to help you to prepare for the big game where your performance really matters of like you taking your time, are you using your strategies, are you using your scratch paper? Are you um, internalizing the question? Um, all those things are just a part of the skills that we learn throughout the year that you just have to use to perform at this big game, right? Yeah. So if you were practicing, if you were taking the time to get some shots up, if you were um, asking questions, if you were doing work outside of like the time that we're together from eight to three, then you're going to be performing well. And we're just going to review and uh, build habits in which that for friends who may not have been doing that, we're going to do that during class time so that when we get there for the big game, you have the tools to be even more successful. Yeah, everyone's there. Everyone's on the same level. Mm-hmm, exactly. Gotcha. All right. Well, Josh, we're approaching about 40 minutes. Um, I know you got to do some streaming here in a little bit, so I don't want to hold you up too long um thanks for coming on man like i think it was it was really informative i mean i i definitely know i learned a lot about how a little bit more about how education works and stuff like that um I, thanks for coming on yeah of course man i mean with education that's just the tip of the iceberg man especially when you see what it looks like on the day-to-day -day and when you talk to teachers in between breaks and you have professional development it just you just go down the rabbit hole at that point so yeah, there's um, and there's yeah, a lot. Glad that, you got to see some things on my end. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and there's there's just a lot, and I th I feel like this information needs to be more publicized for everyday people to know. Of course, like it, you know, it's it's really really important. Like, all of our kids have to go to school. We went to school. We should at least know how school works, <laughs> at least a little bit. Um. So. Yeah. So. Is there any social media you want to plug? Any kind of Instagram, Facebooks, Twitch? Oh, yeah. Well, of course. Uh, yeah, so as I said before, uh, I also am, um, in my off time, I also do stream uh, on twitch.tv slash demjonesgaming. That's D-E-M-J-O-N-E-S, gaming. Um, that's also my Instagram, Twitter. Um, stream Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What kind of games and, do you stream? Uh, Oh, the games I stream right now, we're streaming Persona 5 and Over, excuse me, Overwatch. So that's pretty much it as of right now. So if you want to come through, hang out, you know, everyone is welcome in my space. So really cool. Thanks for having me, Josh. Dope. Thanks, man. We'll do it again for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially like, you know, a couple weeks in from now of just how TPU is going and just, yep. <laughs> oh yeah, no, exactly. yeah. It'd be it'd be good to get an update to see the post post test scores and stuff. That that's if we even have 
like testing because oh yeah i guess you could be prepping um, for nothing huh <laughs> that sucks right. oh wait hold on oh no my so my gray level team just sent me a text they said that um aussie's decided not to do park this year so we 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 probably we don't know what's gonna happen okay it's up in the air right now. all right well that like so. most things from 20 to 2021 <laughs> things are up in things the air all right. Well, we'll so I'll I'll still check back in with you. You'll be on again. Don't you worry. Of course. We're, we'll probably still do TPU anyway. <laughs> all right. Cool. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you guys next week.